Hello and welcome back to the Vol Report Show. I'm Ryan Sylvia, joined by Noah Taylor. We are with ValReport.com on the Rivals Network, and it is officially Florida Week, the biggest game of the year up to this point. And you can kind of feel it in Knoxville, a little bit of nerves after last week with uh, Austin P. Uh, but Florida with a bit of a down year as well, Tennessee projected to win by Vegas by ESPN which would be of course the team's first win in the swamp since 2003 so a massive game coming up this weekend we want to talk about that but first we want to hop into what we saw last week against Austin P then we're going to do a little bit of a new segment and do a couple of trivia questions I thought that would be a fun thing to do on the Tennessee Florida rivalry so let's jump right into it without further ado and talk about that game on Saturday against Austin P. Tennessee wins it 30-13, to 13, gets off to a slow start, finds their footing a little bit early in the second half. And by the end of the game, and really the whole game, I don't think there was ever a true worry that Tennessee was going to lose. But it was ugly at times, and it did leave a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths just because that's a game you expected to win by 50 or more points and you come out by 17. It felt a little disappointing to a lot of people. So, no, my first question to you is, one, are you concerned about this team after that performance? And two, what needs to change going forward for them to see success? Yeah, I I agree with you. It's kind of a game that you didn't really – at all feel at any moment that Austin P had a, had a legitimate chance to, to escape with a win there. But again, disappointing. It's a game going into it. I know we, we, we ran through last week in the podcast, what we thought Tennessee would score. I said they'd win by over 50 and that was obviously not even close. Uh, so that was surprising. And it's a game that you'd, you'd really like to see Nico get some reps, you know, some other guys get some reps, some young guys get reps there. And you didn't really get that opportunity because the game was close enough that, that you really had to keep Joe in there and some other guys. But I, I think going into the Florida game, it is a little bit of a concern with the offense at this point. Maybe the fact that Joe and the receivers just haven't gelled yet. Um, I, I think, you know, for some reason against Virginia, a power five opponent, they didn't look sharp there, but it didn't really matter. They won that game convincingly. It was a little bit concerning that it seemed to, to kind of, spill over into uh, the following week against Austin P. I think. But at this point, I don't, I don't know if I'm really hitting the panic button at all on this team. I think you're still, as Coach Heupel says a lot, the best football still ahead of them. I know that's a coaching cliche, but I, I think maybe that could be true. I, I just find it hard to believe that with the receivers you return and with Joe's experience that, that at some point these guys aren't going to click. Uh, it's going to be tough on the road to do it this Saturday. I know we'll get to that game in just a minute. But I, I don't think now is the time to hit the panic button yet. But you would like to see a sharper performance going into uh, week two against or week three against Florida. Um, I, I think that kind of answers the second question as well. You know, I think for them to be successful, you are going to have to connect on that. The run game has been really good. I think there's still a lot of positives. The defense doesn't really need to change. They've played really well. They've played kind of at an elite level the last two weeks. You'd like to see that. I know that. Again, Virginia and Austin P aren't, aren't exactly tests. They're going to be tested this week with a really good Florida run game. But the defense, I think, has looked really well. Run game has looked really well. For them to have success, it's going to have to come down to the passing game and those receivers and, and Joe Milton gelling together. Yeah, it, it, I, I agree. It's 
concerning to a point, but not hit, let's hit the panic button and let's freak out. And Tennessee's going to go six and six or seven and five and regress back to not what was the expectation heading into this year. I still think Tennessee's future is very bright for this season. I think that Joe gets it figured out with his receiving core. I think that, I mean, this running game's already proven to be really solid. Uh, it, it was mostly Jalen Wright and Jabari Small on Saturday. Dylan Sampson didn't play as many snaps. But all three of them had pretty solid games, especially that that front two, and especially Jalen Wright had a phenomenal game. Another game where his yards per carry was just absolutely ridiculous. So I think that they need to rely on him going forward and get that run game going. And then I like what they did against Austin P when they were taking away the deep balls and the over-the-top plays. It was, all right, well, let's settle down. Let's hit some wide receivers on some screen passes and, and get some blockers in front of them and see what they can do. Let's get the ball to receivers in open space. You would want to hit over the throws over the middle that were open as well, but they took, for the most part, what they could get and – it ended up working enough to comfortably win. Obviously, you'll need better execution on those plays this week compared to last week. But there's, it was disappointing in some ways, but I think that a lot of Tennessee fans should take a deep breath and say, all right, Tennessee won. It wasn't necessarily extremely close or down to the wire. And then look around the SEC because a lot of teams also struggled against some FCS teams. And even look at Georgia last year. I mean, that's a team that struggled against Kent State. So not that not exactly the same level of opponent. Kent State a better team than Austin P. But it happens. You won the game. Move on, and, and you should be fine going forward. But to wrap up our talk about Austin P. And, and leaving that kind of ugly, ugly game in the cold, wet. Uh, rain that kind of hit the field before and after the game behind us. What was one takeaway that you are going to take with you heading forward to the rest of the season that you learned from that game? I, you know, I think it's going to be just the defense again. You know, it's a, it's a unit that we talked about uh, all off season that they needed to improve. And, and here we are in week two again, Austin P I know not, necessarily you know the one of the better offenses you're going to face by any stretch of the imagination this year but you were able to see a little bit more of rotation there in, in the secondary um I, and then Aaron Beasley a guy that had to play both ways the other night with uh Keenan Peely out his kind of first game since Keenan's been gone and th these guys still look really good I think that's been impressive and in a game where the offense wasn't playing well maybe some Tennessee teams in the past you know five years or so you would have seen that a little bit of a collapse there, but the defense didn't really let the, the slow offense kind of affect them and, and played really well. I think you're probably going to see that from here on out because I do think that with this offense, there's going to continue maybe to be a little bit of a learning curve going forward. Uh, you may still see some some throws here and there that, that Joe Milton would like to have back for a little bit before they kind of start to gel together. And the question is going to be, is the defense going to be able to overcome that uh, when they're on the field? Are they going to be able to – overcome it when Tennessee goes three and out, are they going to be able to come against a better opponent, come back right back on the field and play at an elite level like they did the drive before Tennessee, Tennessee teams in the past, even under this coaching staff, haven't been able, you know, defenses haven't been able to do that. I think that that was something to take away again. I know Austin P, but a really good uh, showing for those guys with the way the offense played. Now I have this question 
listed later. I, I was going to bring it up in the Florida discussion, but I'll, I'll ask it now because you just talked about the defense. Do you expect this level of play to keep going? I'm not saying that they're going to hold every SEC team to 13 points. Yeah. But I'm saying, do you expect this to be the new standard, at least for this season, in Josh Heupel's defense, that they're going to get to the quarterback, they're going to stuff the run, they're going to make it difficult for the quarterback to go downfield, and it's going to be a team that not only has a, a solid offense, but a very respectable defense? Yeah, absolutely. I do think this is something – this will be a trend that you see going forward. Um, and I say that because last year you did get to see a little bit of it. They were really good at stopping the run. They were a little shaky in the secondary at times, but they wanted to get to the quarterback better up front. They've been able to do that in two weeks. I think you're going to still see that aggressiveness. We've seen that package where they have the you know the speedier guys up there, the faster guys. They're, they're really putting an emphasis on getting to the QB. I think they worked a lot on that in the offseason. I think you're going to continue to see that. Now, I – a lot of that, I think, also depends, and this is obvious, but it is the health. You know, so as long as they're healthy, I think this defense will play at a really high level. Um, you know, seen some things early that you don't want to see with Keenan Peely out. Hopefully, that's not a trend that continues for them. But I, I do think I do expect them to play at this level throughout the season. Yeah, I think Tennessee's defense is, is definitely they've already shown they've taken a big step forward. I think that's something that could kind of be more of a theme this year. My biggest concern is that secondary, though. Yeah, especially at the cornerback position. Wesley Walker and Jalen McCullough have been really solid for Tennessee yeah. at safety so far, and they've played almost every snap of the season. Uh, that, that is not a position that they've rotated a lot. Wesley Walker literally played every snap against Austin P on the defensive end. Jalen McCullough got subbed a, a couple of times, but nearly did as well. And at star with Tamarian McDonald, I'm also not necessarily too concerned. It's the cornerback position that scares me a little bit. So far, they've done a rotation. I believe it's been Kamal Haddon and Danico Slaughter who have gotten the starts. And they've kind of flip-flopped every drive, it seems like, where those guys get relieved. And then Gabe Judy Lawley uh, and that second unit comes in. It's a and, – and Warren Burrell would be the other one with Gabe Judy Lawley. It's – They've shown weaknesses. I would say that's definitely the biggest weakness of the secondary or of the defense so far. You've mentioned the defensive line in, in that yeah. quicker package where they moved Tyler Barron on the inside, and that's been extremely effective. I think that that defensive line is going to continue to get pressure on the quarterback, which can relieve some of those issues when the quarterback doesn't have time to let plays develop or, or to go through his reads. I think that could cover some things up. And I think the linebacker position with Aaron Beasley – uh, I talked about it after the game. It's you wanted one of the younger guys to step up in Keenan Peely's absence, and it seemed like Aaron Beasley just said, "No, I, I'll just take that too." Yeah, like, it was, <laughs> he, he just said, I'll, I'll, "I'll, I got both positions." And that's not to say Elijah Herring or Arian Carter or Jeremiah Tealander did bad. Uh, it was just Aaron Beasley had such a good game. So with Aaron Beasley playing at the level he is, with those three younger guys developing and, and there's still a lot of room for growth with them obviously but playing at a level that I think you can still trust them against uh, good teams in big games like Florida it's really those corner positions that that scare me a little bit you saw Danico Slaughter get burnt for that big touchdown uh, he fell uh, I don't know if he slipped or got tripped but he fell so you can only blame him to a certain extent but that that does go against him and, and then you look at Kamal Haddon and he had a one or two DPI calls that, yeah. that you just can't have those are those are situations that you need some improvement, and Tennessee is going to need 
some of those cornerbacks and really all of them because they're going to want to use a rotation in that secondary to step up. So I think this defense, that, that's a long way to say, I think this defense will be much improved from the first years under Hypole, but those, those cornerbacks in parts of that secondary do scare me a little bit going forward to say that it's going to be necessarily an elite defense. Yeah. But let's let's close the book on that Austin P game. Like I said, I think we all kind of want to leave that one in the past and never think about it again. So let's move on to, to Florida. And like I said, at the top of the show, I wanted to do some trivia. I have three, pretty much three questions. The first one, I have not looked at the answer yet. So I'll play with you on the first one. But the other two, uh, of course, I had to look up to, to find the answer for. The first one is the last time Tennessee went to the Swamp was in 2021 in Josh Heupel's first season. They lost that game 38-14, to 14, but they had a decently strong start. So the question is, and like I said, I, I don't know the answer for this one, so I'll answer it right after you, is who led Tennessee in receiving yards, rushing yards, and tackles in that 2021 loss in the Swamp? Jeez. Uh, receiving, I'm going to go Javante Payton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know he had the big touchdown there before the half. Uh, gosh, rushing. Huh. Um, you still had Tyon Evans at that point. So I'm going to go with him for rushing. And the third was tackles. Yeah. This is a tough one. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Banks. Those okay. are my three. I, I'm going to stick with you on the offensive side because that the play from that game that sticks out to me the most is um, that big touchdown from Javante Payton. So I'm going to guess that that was enough to put him over the top. I assume it was probably one of those Javante Payton games where it's like three catches for two touchdowns and 110 yards or something crazy. Um, So I'll stick with that. I I was, I'm pretty sure Tyon Evans played in that game. He missed so much time in that. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. (laughs) <laughs> but he played against South Carolina and he played against Missouri and both of those games were after the Florida game, obviously. So yeah. I'm going to assume that he played in that game. So I'll stick with that as well, but I'm going to go with, it's a position that doesn't usually lead the team in tackles. So Jeremy Banks is probably the correct answer, but I'll throw out an Alante Taylor for, for that yep. final one uh, for tackles, but I have the page pulled up. So let's check it out. And, See what we have. Of course, Hendon Hooker, 13 for 23, 221 yards, two touchdowns. Joe Milton actually went two for eight for 54 yards in that game. Your leading rusher was Jabari Small, 11 carries, wow. 59 yards. But Tyon Evans, 11 carries, 50 yards. Uh, so right behind him, it was a, a bit of a coin flip, I guess, and we both got the wrong side of it. Hendon Hooker actually third leading rusher with 23 yards and. I don't fully remember this play, but Jalen Hyatt had a one carry for 10-yard night. <laughs> Receiving, Javante Payton, two receptions for 82 yards and a touchdown. Interesting enough, though, if we would, if the question was who led the team in yards from scrimmage, Tyon Evans would have been the answer because he put up 71 yards on wow. three receptions. Uh, had a touchdown there as well. So a lot of his production came uh, from receiving. Leading the defense in tackles by a large margin. 15 total tackles, Trayvon Flowers. Wow. Uh, so that was a really solid game from him. Jeremy Banks was the number two tackler at eight. Alante Taylor coming in at number four. So that was the last time Tennessee was in the Swamp. Obviously a very, very different team that 
Josh Heupel and company had going down there and a very different team they played. Obviously, Dan Mullins last season in Florida in 2021. They were solid at that point. Yeah, it, it, it was such an interesting season where they they were good when Tennessee played them. And then just progressively throughout the year, the wheels completely fell off. It was one of those situations where I feel like Tennessee fans say this a lot. It's like, why couldn't Tennessee play Florida? <laughs> because we're humming and they suck now. But yeah. so, so it was one of those seasons where Florida completely fell off the face of the earth. But Tennessee caught them when they were still hot and ended up losing that game on the road. Second question. I'm not going to let this one be too easy on you. Uh, of course, the last time Tennessee won the Swamp was in 2003. What was their final regular season record in that season? Uh, I'm going to go 10 and 3. Regular um, season. Reg- oh, regular season. So 2003. I'm going to go 9 and uh, let's see. 10 and 2? 10 and 2. Yeah, because they lost the Peach Bowl to Clemson or Maryland. I can't remember. That was my bonus question, <laughs> and it was the Peach Bowl of Clemson. So we'll we'll give that to you as well. That was that was really good. Uh, they were state champs that year. They beat uh, Florida in Gainesville and then beat Miami and and uh, shattered Miami's Orange Bowl uh, winning record. And uh, so they they were Florida state champs that season. There you go, Vols taking over the state of Florida in two thousand three. Final trivia question though, and then we'll talk into a little bit uh, of analysis for this Florida game coming up. Florida holds the series lead 31 to 21. When was the last year that they did not play each other? Uh, I'm going to go 1989. That is also correct. A really solid trivia round from Noah here (laughs) on Tennessee versus Florida. Of course, uh, they've been in the same conference forever, but they they didn't really become rivals until the 90s. uh, And then it became a really good one. After that, talking about that game in 1998, uh, Fulmer finally uh, getting past Florida on his way to the championship. And and it's been a, a strong history since then. But that, that didn't become an annual game until 1990, 1989 is the answer of the last time they did not play each other. But that's the trivia segment. Let us know if you guys enjoyed that. If that's something you want to see going forward for SEC matchups, just two or three trivia questions. I always think that it's uh, fun to, to answer some of those. So, so let us know in the comments if you're on YouTube, leave a review if you're on Apple or Spotify, and, and give us some feedback there. But let's move on to the game that we have coming this Saturday in Gainesville. Let's start off simple. Do the Vols win? Do they cover the spread? Uh, the opening spread I saw was four points. So will Tennessee win by four uh, or, I guess, five or more? And what needs to happen? for Tennessee to win. Even if you think Florida is going to win, what needs to happen for Tennessee to come out on top? Um, yeah, I, I guess I'll start with that, that last one. Um, what they need to do. I, I think the obvious one is, is keep the defense the way it's been playing. You know, Florida's bread and butter is that run game. You saw Utah was able to take them out of that element in week one or in, in a couple Thursdays ago. And, uh, force Graham Mertz to throw. And I think Mertz finished with like 330 yards and a touchdown. So not a terrible performance, but definitely a guy that you do want to kind of force to beat you with his arm. I I think, 
you know, last week Florida played McNeese State and, and didn't really have much trouble. Again, an, an 0-1 uh, FCS opponent coming into that game. But I think it had, had a really solid rushing performance, Montreal Johnson specifically. Um, that's when Florida's at their best. You saw a little bit of it last year when they were winning games – the, the game, the six games that they did win, it was usually because they were running the ball really, really well. Of course, they had a quarterback, too, that could that added to that. Um, but I, I think that that's going to be the biggest thing. Tennessee's um, ability to stop the run, they've proven they can do it. They did it last year. They've done it in the first two games this year. That's going to be the biggest key, I think. And then the other, obviously, is going to be the offense, hitting, hitting some simple plays. If a guy's open, you know, catch the ball. I don't think you're going to be able to afford to – um, overcome those kind of mistakes, you know, self-inflicted wounds in a game like this, especially on the road. Yeah, so do you think Tennessee is going to win? Is that something you've seen by how much if they do? Yeah, I, I do. Um, I think this is the year Josh Heupel's been good at, at kind of snapping streaks in this program, and, and obviously that's been a long one. Um, this has got to be, and I know we, we've probably said this a lot in the last 20 years, <laughs> But this has probably got to be as good as Tennessee's felt in a long time, you know, coming to Gainesville. You know, Florida, like you mentioned at, at the beginning of the show, they're a program right now that's, you know, may, you know, didn't really expect them to go and beat Utah. But you would have, if you're a Florida fan, you would have liked to have seen a better performance on the road in week one. And they didn't really deliver that. And, of course, you're not going to learn much in week two against an FCS opponent. So right now they're kind of a program It's really hard to say what – direction they're going if you had to guess it would be the opposite of Tennessee you know so it's it just doesn't look like things with Billy Napier have gone the way maybe that Florida would have wanted at this point in year two but I like Tennessee to go in there and win that game I like to see um, some plays like you know I I do think receivers are going to get open and I do think this is going to be that game where you don't see guys drop the ball you see guys make big plays and I think that the defense is going to play really well the biggest factor I think is going to be the road environment Mm -hmm. Um, Florida, you know, we talked about them being down, them being up. What's the crowd going to look like? It's a primetime kickoff. I I imagine it being pretty tough. And we saw how Tennessee kind of didn't handle South Carolina very well on the road last year, didn't handle Georgia on the road very well last year. How are they going to do that this year? How much has that changed? But I do like them to win, and I do like them to cover. I think we talked about it immediately after Austin P. you and I, that maybe a game that I fully expect going into the third, fourth quarter being close – but I think Tennessee uh, comes out on top and covers and, and maybe pulls away a little bit there at the end. Yeah, you, you mentioned the running backs earlier. earlier uh, between Etienne and, and Montreal, it's a really good group that they have there. But they, they didn't really get it going against Utah necessarily. So I do agree that, that that's going to be a big key. Will the defense be able to step up, continue to stop the run, and force Graham Mertz to do something that he hasn't proven he can really do at Florida yet. I'll also take Tennessee to win. I could see this one looking like the LSU game, honestly, from last year, where you go into a very hostile road environment, a very hyped-up game with kind of the country watching, and you go in and and you win the game handily. I don't necessarily know if Tennessee is going to get off to the start they did against LSU because that game fell over after one quarter just with the momentum just completely on the side of Tennessee, the scoreboard looking like it did. But I could see it being a situation where by the end of the game, there's not a lot of Florida fans in attendance, and it's a lot of Tennessee fans because they're celebrating a ginormous road win over a a big rival, and Tennessee pulls away by by a score or two, where to the point that 
it's it's clear Tennessee is going to come out alive in this one, but uh, it, it should be an interesting game. I, I think that that first quarter could tell you a lot about how this rest of the game is going to go. Is Tennessee going to do what they want on offense? Are they going to be able to move the ball, or are those struggles going to kind of continue to linger in the early parts of games? I think that first quarter will be very telling. So I'll take Tennessee to win. I'll take them to cover. I think they'll win. I, I, we'll, we'll do our official score predictions at the end of the week uh, over at VolReport.com. But I, I think it'll be uh, a, at least a two-possession game for Tennessee is what I'll say right now. So uh, you also mentioned Josh Heupel hasn't seemed afraid to break streaks. Obviously beat Florida at home last year, which was kind of a mini streak that Florida had going. And then beat Alabama, which was a massive streak, obviously. So do you put any credence into, like, there's a curse of the swamp for Tennessee, and if they go to Florida, there's no way they're going to win because they just haven't done it in so long? Or is it just like, it's a new staff, Hypo doesn't care about that type of situation? Yeah, I, I think it's that. I think it's what you said there last. I, You know, that during that run – since 2003 it's it's been a tough run for Tennessee and there's been some Florida runs in there as well that's why it's been kind of surprising that Tennessee hasn't won there in 20 years because it's not like Florida's been having an Alabama type run during that stretch either but I think it's it's mostly a new staff you you know you've got last year or two years ago in 21 you know down at that game Florida I mean Tennessee was in that game we mentioned the Javante Payton play that gave them the lead in the first quarter I think right before halftime, Elante Taylor, who you just mentioned, you know, stripped Jacob Copeland and, and took away a scoring drive for Florida to keep that game close at halftime. And then there in the third or fourth quarter, I, I believe there was a drop pass, you know, by Jimmy Callaway that on a fourth down yeah. attempt. So, you know, it, it, Tennessee showed strides in their last trip under Josh Heupel. Um, of course, the wheels kind of fell off for Florida after that. I think, you know, they had just come off taking Alabama down to the wire the week before that and then, you know, beat Tennessee. And I don't know what happened with that Florida team after that, but Tennessee played really well in Gainesville for the most part now, for a team that was coming off that Jeremy Pruitt era, had a ton of guys leave. So I think that you're going to see that kind of come full circle on Saturday where last time we were here, we were knocking on the door. We were new staff, new team. And oh, here we go. Now we can prove that we can win these kind of games um, they showed that last year, and, and I think that they'll they'll do that this year. I don't think that there's a curse there, um, and I don't know that this will be a, a not start of a new streak for Tennessee over Florida, yeah. depending on how they're how they go under Billy Napier. But I, I don't believe that there's a curse. I think that this is uh, just a new staff that that knows how to win games, and I think players believe that too. Yeah, it's the same thing. Josh Heupel just has not let that any of those negative history connotation things leak into his team it seems like we talked about florida alabama last year winning those games uh, you mentioned going to the swamp against florida in his first year and not necessarily having a bad performance for such a young kind of scrap heap team for josh heupel think about that alabama game that year too where yeah. that was a one score game in the fourth quarter on the road in tuscaloosa and and just in both of those games, I think that it just became an issue of depth for, for Tennessee where they just kind of keep couldn't keep pushing as hard as they needed to down the wire. And, and the other team was a lot fresher and ended up pulling away. So yeah, I, I really don't buy into it, too. If Tennessee does lose this game against Florida in Gainesville, I don't 
I don't think that the reaction should be, yeah, well, Tennessee never wins in Florida. It's going to be some other glaring issues that are popping out other than just leaving it at that and trying to move on from there. But uh, we'll touch on one or two more things before we get out of here. I'm curious, who do you think is going to lead the Tennessee Vols in receiving at the end of Saturday's game? Oh, man, I think I'm going to go with uh, an audible here. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to go Brew McCoy. I, I, I liked what we saw out of him on Saturday against Austin P. You mentioned it earlier. They were missing on some of those throws over the middle. Obviously, Austin P. cut off the deep stuff. And they, they got in a rhythm there with that short – the screens and the short stuff to Brew McCoy. He got him upfield. Um, and I, I think that Florida is obviously going to see the game film and say, wait, we're going to try to take that away as well from Joe Milton. And you're going to probably have to rely on that again. Um, and I, I like Brew McCoy to, to get some yards that way um, for on Saturday. But, you know, you, you're still kind of waiting for, for a breakout performance from a few of those guys. And I think this would be kind of the game where you'd really like to see it um, Dante Thornton was a huge transfer addition that we haven't really seen play at his full potential yet. Haven't seen him a lot. Um, we saw a little bit of squirrel get some targets the other day as well. Um, you're kind of waiting for that, but I, right now I'm, I'm going to go with brew getting the leading the team and receiving Saturday. Yeah. Dante played less than 10 snaps against Austin P which was very surprising as you would think they would try to get him going, but they just stuck with squirrel the whole time. Yeah. I thought he brought up a fantastic point though with, Florida watching the game film from what Virginia did and what Austin P did. Both yeah. of those game plans very clear were let's play a very loose shell and let's not let them hit on a big deep ball and, and score in two plays. And that's easier said than done, of course. And, and yeah. Tennessee still hit on a few big plays, but a lot of them weren't necessarily down the field. Joe's been smart. He's not forcing throws that aren't there, but he's going to need to hit those throws down the middle of the field. So, so I think that you, you hit the nail on the head that it's going to be one of those outside receivers, whether it's Keaton or McCoy coming across the middle, you can gain 20 to 25 yards if you do it right. And everything goes while Milton puts the ball where it needs to be. And those receivers catch it, which having both of those come true uh, in the first two weeks has, has been an ask at times, but I'll, I'll take the other side. I'll, I'll take Keaton just because you took McCoy because I think it's really a coin flip. So I'll, I'll just be different than you there. And I'll, I'll take Ramel Keaton. He obviously scored a touchdown last week. He He's had two bad plays in the first two games with the drop in, in the deep ball that Tennessee was able to scheme up against Virginia and then a fumble in the red zone last week. But I'm, I'm not worried about his confidence level or anything like that after that. So I'll, I'll take Ramel. He's been a uh, – a target for, for Joe where he, he was really probably the most sure-handed one against Austin P uh, with the drops from McCoy, from Thornton, from Squirrel. So I'll, I'll go with Ramel Keaton. You'll take Brew McCoy. We both have the outside receivers though, for the same reasoning that we think the middle of the field due to Florida watching some film uh, could very well be open for some of those chunk plays. And, and then also a, uh, for your point for Brew McCoy, they, they have liked to get to him on those screenplays. And he, he's been able to pick up 10 yards in a cloud of dust sometimes on those as well. So we'll see what they like to do there. But final question before we wrap this thing up. What is your biggest worry for Tennessee heading into the game? And what's an area that you are just absolutely not worried about heading into the swamp? Wow. Uh, 
I mean, I hate to, to keep, you know, hitting on the same thing. I think it's just that connection between Joe and the receivers and, and hitting big plays. I, I think the run game is going to have some success. I don't know about the kind of success maybe that they've had the last two weeks, but enough, I think, enough that could help them win the game because um, I think that, that you know, three-headed monster back there is just so good. Any three of those guys, I think. I mean, you saw it against Virginia. Dylan Sampson had a big game. Obviously, Jalen did as well. But then Jabari, you know, gets in there Saturday, and, and him and Jalen are the two kind of top backs uh, in that game. So I think the run game is going to be fine, I, but I think it's going to come down to the receiving. And they've had some plays over the middle open the last two weeks, like we've talked about. Got to hit on those in a game like this, on the road especially. You know, you don't want to get – you know, let that get in your head if you're, you're dropping passes, you know, in front of, you know, 80,000, 90,000 fans you know so that that'll be big I think that's kind of the, the big biggest issue with this team right now if Joe and those guys can connect like you've mentioned some of that's been on them some of that's been on him and you're, you're kind of waiting for that performance where they connect on those I think this has to be that game for Tennessee because you're not going to be able to afford to make miss on big plays like that and expect to win on the road so that would be my biggest I I, I don't I don't really know if there's an area where I'm you know, just because just it's an SEC game uh, in a place you haven't won in a long time, I, I kind of hate to say there's nowhere I'm concerned about. But I feel really like – I said it earlier in the show, I feel really good about the defense. I feel really good that uh, they can stop the run because they did really well at, at it last year. Um, Anthony Richardson in this game last season obviously gave this Tennessee defense problems. Uh, he's not there anymore. So <laughs> I don't see Graham Mertz lowering his shoulder into guys and – and uh, you know, spinning out of sacks and things like that. So, if I had to pick an area where I feel the most comfortable, I would say I I really like this defense to uh, limit Florida in the run game and try to force Graham Mertz to beat them with his arm. All right. So Noah's going to take the connection with the receivers for his biggest worry and the stout defense for his least worried aspect of the game. I'll start with my least worry i'm gonna go with the running game for tennessee you spoke on it a little bit that three-headed monster they've been able to establish that in all in both games now and of course a florida defense is going to be much better than a virginia or an austin p defense but those running backs i mean the offensive line's done a good job of opening holes for them but when those running backs are hitting those holes i mean we've seen it a few times whether it's jabari whether it's Jalen, they're hitting it at a million miles an hour and they're picking up 30 yards and just setting up Tennessee down the field and in a enemy territory. And, and I think that's been a big deal, especially when the pass game has been sluggish is getting those guys going and having them uh, just kind of propel this offense. So that's what I'm least worried about is I, I can't imagine that the run game gets completely stuffed and you look at the final stat line. It's like, yeah, Tennessee 50 yards rushing, but I, I don't see that happening. I think that they're going to establish that early rely on it and use it throughout the game my biggest worry is special teams though specifically kickoffs and punting Uh, they took a step in the right direction against austin p as in both uh jackson ross and josh turbyville had two mistakes last week they only had one this week so hopefully they can get it to zero for Florida, but it feels like a now or never already in the season of getting that right. If Jackson Ross 
goes out there for the first punt of the game and shanks it for a 15-yard punt and Florida gets the ball at the 40, that is going to be massive early in the game. I mean, you're setting up Florida to score. You're putting the crowd in the game immediately. Uh, and, and it's almost a situation where it it might not be because of the crowd, but the fans aren't going to think that. The fans are going to think they just made you shank that ball. So now they're going to be on top of everything. It, it kind of gets them more focused on the game, makes them feel like they have more of an impact. They're going to be there uh, for all three downs when you're on offense. So it, it feels like a game where it's like, all right, Jackson, you need to you need to at least get off to a good start. If you're going to make any mistakes, have not have it late with the game on the line, but but let, let's get off to a good start first and, and, and go from there. And same with Josh Turbyville. Let's let's say Tennessee defers the toss. Let's get that opening kickoff out the back of the end zone or for a touchback, and let's kind of build off that. So that's my biggest concern is you can't give Florida short field position, especially if this game stays kind of close. If Let's say this game is 28 to 24 with five minutes left. You're back to punt, and then you give them the ball – at your own 40 because you don't get a good one off that that's a big deal. Yeah. You, yeah. you can't do that. So that's what, what stresses me out the most heading into the game for Tennessee is simple mistakes like that can add up and can lead to losses. So that needs to be ironed out. And I have faith. I, I, I really do have faith that Jackson Ross will get things figured out. And I think that he'll start to show that at Florida, but three straight games of some mistakes could be pretty tough on his mental as he looks to go forward, but that'll do it all for us today. It was another uh, fun edition of the ball report show with Noah Taylor. Make sure you guys head over to ballreport.com though, for our written content we'll be at the Josh Heupel press conference later today. Talk to some players. We'll have assistant coaches and more players on Tuesday. Uh, Josh Heupel teleconference on Wednesday, meeting back up with Hypo on Thursday, previewing everything Florida on Friday. And we have plans to be in the swamp, boots on the ground in Florida on Saturday. So head over to volreport.com for the full coverage of everything. Don't want to miss anything. Head over to the forums as well. Grab yourself a subscription. We've had a lot of fun talking Tennessee football and then also just all UT sports talking about the home run derby that the baseball team put on before the game on Saturday and just kind of the landscape of college football because it's been a crazy year to start so far. So head over to volreport.com and make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel to not miss any of our content, whether it is videos of those press conferences I just named or Noah and myself breaking things down. I will be back Thursday as we preview Florida with a Florida expert and get everything you need to know on that for another edition of the Vol Report Show. But whether you are on YouTube or listening on Spotify or Apple, thank you for listening and watching.